It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes, Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. To subscribe to Locked On Giants Baseball, you can find us on the brand new podcast app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also get in your car and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Giants Baseball. Coming up on today's show, we have a lot of exciting things to talk about. First and foremost, the Giants winning two out of three in Arizona on the road. We're going to discuss the game notes from all three games, and we're also going to talk about the fact that Aaron Altair was claimed late last week and then designated for assignment on Sunday to clear a 25-man spot for Drew Pomeranz, who came off the injured list. So we're going to explain the logic behind that move. And in the second half of the show, we're going to speculate about who is going to come off the 25-man roster to make a spot for Andy Suarez, who's going to start tonight for the Giants. We're also going to talk about some team numbers since May 1st. But first, the Giants' record. With the two wins and one loss in Arizona, their record has improved to 20-25 and 25 on the season, but they still have a minus 42 run differential, which is the second worst in the National League, and that run differential has an expected win-loss record of just 18-27, and 27, so they are at this point outperforming that by two wins. The first thing that happened on Sunday was the news that Aaron Altair had been designated for assignment to clear a 25-man roster spot for Drew Pomeranz, who was reinstated off the injured list. So naturally, as has been unfortunately the case with the Giants reporting all season long, there continued to be articles about how this constant roster shuffling is taxing and exhausting and a strain, etc., etc. But I'm going to try to make the case that losing and being extremely inactive in terms of trying to improve the roster is way more of a taxing thing than a front office that is totally being proactive trying to improve the organizational depth and talent. So that's what this move was. And it's not something I saw at the time when they first claimed Aaron Altair. I wasn't thinking this would happen. But the thing is, when these subsequent moves happen, we can say, oh, well, that's what they were thinking. We're allowed to adjust our perspective based on what happens subsequently. It's very obvious that we should be able to do that. And so the fact that they DFA'd Altair 
now means that that was the plan all along was that they could sneak him onto the 25-man roster, claim him from the Phillies, have him on the roster while Pomeranz was on the IL. And then as soon as Pomeranz needed to come back, they're able to designate him for assignment with the hopes that no other team is going to claim him because they would have to have him on the 25-man roster. So it's likely that the Giants are aware of all 24 other teams' current roster situations and think that no other team is going to be able to fit him onto the 25 man roster because he has no minor league options you can't claim him and then option him so the Giants were one team who was willing to use a 25-man roster spot for Altair at that time. And then now, if he clears waivers, the Giants can outright him to the minor leagues so they can keep him in their organization. So it's a very savvy thing to do, and it's something we never saw from the previous front office, this type of maneuvering. And it's something that that is common with a team like the Dodgers. So that seems to be the goal. The Giants are essentially trying to take on Aaron Altair at no cost in terms of giving up any talent in a trade or something like that. And Aaron Altair is a guy who has had success at the major league level. He had a very strong offensive season in 2017. He's a good defender on the corners. He's very fast. He has upside. And so this is a guy you'd like to have as a fringe guy at the back end of your 40-man roster. It's a much better option than what the Giants have had historically. And so to complain about a move like this and say that it's taxing on the players is a little bit ridiculous because it's exactly not doing this type of thing that led the Giants to have such a barren farm system and have such terrible depth on the 40-man roster and as an organization. So if this is what it takes to improve that, then this is what it takes to improve the Giants. And so as reporters, it's really our job to to share with fans that that is what's going on instead of just being a voice of the disgruntled players who A, don't understand it, and B, are too prideful to admit that they're past their prime and that this organization needs to overhaul the depth and talent on the whole 25-man roster and beyond. So anyway, moving on to the game notes from this game, Steven Duggar was in center field and that happened on Friday. They finally moved Duggar back to center and Pilar to right. And I think that is the way better defensive alignment. Pilar just, to me, looks much diminished over where he used to be in his career. The range just isn't there like it used to be. So having him in right is an improvement because you get to have Duggar in center. And he made a crucial diving catch in center field early in this game that I think had a huge impact on the outcome of the game. Moving on to the ninth inning, the Diamondbacks had the winning run on third base with two outs, Adam Jones at the plate, Sam Dyson on the mound. And Jones hit a one-hop smash to Crawford's right, and he made this incredible diving stab, full extension, and got to his feet quickly, threw it over to first in the dirt, dug out by Brandon Belt, and they just barely nailed Adam Jones at first. So that was one of the better game-saving defensive plays that you'll ever see. It was incredible, and it literally snatched a victory out of the hands of the Diamondbacks with that tremendous effort. So then in the top of the 10th, Pablo Sandoval came off the bench and for the second game in a row hit a pinch hit home run. So he has been absolutely incredible from the left side this season. He has like 83 plate appearances and among players with at least 80 plate appearances, Pablo Sandoval has the fifth highest slugging percentage in all of Major League Baseball at 675. So that's just outrageously good. Overall, he's been 63% above average by weighted runs created plus. So then in the bottom of the 10th, Will Smith came in and once again had a perfect ninth with three strikeouts. So to me, he remains one of the best pitchers in the National League and probably the Giants player with the most trade value as this trading deadline approaches. 
So it was a huge win for the Giants. As I talked about on the last show, this is a stretch of the schedule that they absolutely need to do well in. They have a ton of home games, and then they have a road trip through two of the worst teams in Major League Baseball in the Marlins and Orioles. They also play the Mets on that road trip, but you get a bunch of home games. You get to play two of the worst teams in MLB. This is the point in time when if they don't do well, their season is essentially going to be over. So if they have any kind of designs of competing, which they they're saying that they do which is still to me very unlikely that will happen but for a team that's trying to win for for a group of players that's believing in themselves and wanting to believe in themselves this was a much needed win for the giants remember to subscribe to locked on giants baseball you can find us on the brand new podcast app himalaya in an ever-expanding podcast world you need himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day Download Himalaya on your app store and subscribe to Locked On Giants Baseball. Coming up in the next segment, we are going to talk about the game notes briefly from Friday and Saturday, as well as speculate about who is going to go off the 25-man roster to make the spot for Andy Suarez, who starts tonight. And we're going to also look at some May numbers for the Giants and use that as evidence to talk about, again, why it was foolish to read into those first few games of the season and make conclusive statements based on them. So that's all coming up next. But first, we talk about baseball performance all the time on this show. But what about performance in the bedroom? That's right. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same active FDA approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know that they work. They can be taken anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Yes, I actually know someone who has tried this product, and they have extremely positive things to report about its effectiveness. The best part about Blue Chew is that it's prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no more visit to the doctor's office, waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness around this topic. Blue Chew is made in the United States and prepares and shipped direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit www.bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 for shipping. That's it. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, and try it. It's free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Okay, so as promised, we're going to run through the game notes from the Friday loss and the Saturday win, and we're also going to talk about Andy Suarez coming onto the roster tonight, who's going to go off the roster to clear a spot for him, and then look at some May numbers for the San Francisco Giants. So first, the game notes, the Giants lost on Friday 7 to nothing. This was a Jeff Samarja start. He went five and a third, zero strikeouts. So he continues to massively outperform his peripherals. And it seems like, yeah, the ERA has been solid, but there seems to be real regression coming. So I continue to look out for that. To have no strikeouts in a start is not a good sign. Crawford had a crucial at bat with the bases loaded and one out down one to nothing in the sixth inning. He struck out. He swung at a couple of splitters that were just way down low in the dirt. And especially in a 3-2 count with the bases loaded, if he had just laid off that pitch, they would have tied the game. But instead, he swung and struck out. So just kind of a continuation of the fact that his offensive season has been just dreadful. And 
I think there are a lot of giants who would take more criticism if they had that type of at bat in that situation. And for whatever reason, certain players are just more immune to criticism, but that was just a really rough at bat. On Saturday pregame, we received news that Johnny Cueto pitched a bullpen session at Chase Field in Arizona and pitched well, throwing in the high 80s, coming back from Tommy John surgery, still several, several months away from his expected return, but Bochi essentially said that he would be shocked if Cueto did not pitch this season, and I think there was a line about Cueto wanting and expecting to be back in the early part of August, in the first half of August. So that's good to see. I mean, Cueto, when healthy, is one of the better pitchers in MLB. Of course, we don't know what to expect when he comes back, but kind of had forgotten all about him, and so to see him pitching on a mound in Arizona, throwing high 80s, was a good sign, and he says he feels great. He lost like 20 pounds and is in better shape, so good to see. Bumgarner pitched in this game, and I thought he pitched very well. He went six and a third, gave up four earned runs, including a homer, but if you actually watched the stuff he was featuring, he was throwing harder than he usually throws. He was consistently hitting 93, which is something we had seen his fastball dip down to like low, low 90s the last couple of years he was commanding everything the cutter was strong he looked sharp to me and the last couple of years he's had a pretty good era but the peripherals have been alarming and this season he actually has really strong peripherals but is kind of getting unlucky in terms of his earned run average so of course teams know this and his strikeout rate is way up over five percentage points from where it was last season and it's currently better than his career average even so to me teams know his trade value is up even though the era is 4.21 he's pitching like a guy with a mid threes era whereas the last couple of years the era was down in the low threes but the peripherals were up around four so as counterintuitive as it may be he's actually probably having more value right now than he had the last couple of years despite an era that's like a run higher last note here is about kevin pilar offensively he was just swinging at everything swinging wildly at obvious balls in this game and that kind of continued on Sunday so he was like hot in the first week or so of the season but has really come down lately so it wouldn't be a total shock if he doesn't survive the entire season on the roster so moving on just quickly want to speculate about who is going to come off the 25-man roster for Andy Suarez who starts tonight for the Giants the moves that make the most sense honestly are Derek Holland being placed on the injured list again and we know how that went last time that happened he accused the front office of a fake injury of putting him on the IL with a fake injury and said he had no idea what they were doing so They did talk after that, but still, the optics of if they put him on the IL again, I would be afraid. I would be bracing for the reaction from him, the clubhouse, and then these writers who have been unnecessarily critical of the front office for proactively trying to improve the team. I would be afraid of what they would write if and when that happens. You could also see somebody DFA'd. It could be Holland. Could be Travis Bergen, who hasn't exactly pitched well. It's probably going to be a pitcher. I would agree with that line of thinking. They can't really option like Donovan Solano back to the minors because they have no other middle infielder right now, except maybe Pablo, but he cannot play shortstop, obviously. And they also don't have it. It can't be like Mac Williamson because they only have three outfielders right now with Williamson, 
Duggar and Pilar. If I had to guess, it would be Holland or Pomeranz to the injured list or Holland DFA or Travis Bergen DFA. It's rough to say that, but I mean, I just don't see any other way that they can do it unless somebody gets another injury. So one last thing, if you're wondering, you maybe you're thinking, why isn't he talking about Joe Panic? So we're going to talk about that now. Giants number since May 1st. As a team, they have a 103 weighted runs created plus, meaning they've been above average offensively since May 1st, and this is non-pitchers. And this is right around the time that that story came out about Farhan Zaidi being a little bit surprised about the extent of the Giants' offensive struggles. I said at the time it was perfectly justifiable to say that. A lot of people were up in arms saying, how did he not know they were going to be bad offensively? Well, that's not what he meant. He meant they weren't going to be that bad. And he's been exactly right because they've been much better since that point in time. All those early reactions from like game one and two of the season It's just we don't learn year after year not to read into A, a couple of games, B, a couple of weeks, and C, a month. Like, we just should not make definitive statements based on samples that small. I remember some statements from high-ranking authors saying, Evan Longoria was the only threat in the Giants lineup. Reyes Maranta was the best reliever on the team and the best reliever arguably in the National League, based on a game or two crazy. And imagine if the season had started on May 1st and the Giants were putting up some of these offensive numbers. The whole narrative set for the entire season would be different. We tend to like read into the first couple of weeks. That sets the tone for the entire season and we never really move on from that narrative unless it's overwhelming. But the fact is if the Giants had started this way offensively, we would be talking about how they're surprisingly good offensively and the starting pitching is just a major disaster. But instead, people still want to talk about how the offense is what's bad and the pitching is strong. You've got Joe Panic, 60% above average offensively since May, hitting 333, 444 on base, 490 slugging. You've got Sandoval setting the world on fire. Longoria's been really good in May, 50% above average. Posey and Belt have been solidly above average in May. Steven Duggar's been roughly league average. Tyler Austin has been good. So as I said at the time, they're not as bad as they were in March and April. Some of them are not as good as they've been in May. They are a collection of the two and they are what they were previously in their careers. So that continues to be the best way to think about it. And typically going back in players' careers, we we don't want to go much further than three years into the past. So a lot of people wanted to argue with me about this point at the time saying we should have seen all these dreadful offensive performances coming, but I would say absolutely no, we did not. And this type of rebound is what we should have expected. That being said, I still think they're a below average offensive team, but this is the type of recovery we should have expected to see. So coming up tomorrow, we'll recap this game tonight against the Atlanta Braves and the roster move that was made to get Andy Suarez onto the 25-man roster. Remember to subscribe to Locked On Giants Baseball. You can find us on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also get in your car and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Giants Baseball. This is a daily show with new episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspic. You can follow me on Twitter at Cove underscore cast. If you like this show, please consider subscribing leaving a review, and telling your friends and family to listen and subscribe to Locked On Giants Baseball. I cannot wait to be with you again tomorrow, and until then, we'll see you next time.
Hey Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.